We began a few weeks ago on the subject of the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. We want to continue that this evening. And we begin with our text in Proverbs 4. Proverbs the fourth chapter. And we'll begin at verse uh, 5. Proverbs 4, 5. Starts off by saying what? Get, get, get wisdom and what? Get understanding. Who is the understood subject for these sentences here? You, you get it. Then are we just to sit by and hope it falls on us sometime? Are we supposed to get up and get it? Well, that's uh, one thing that we're doing in these services and series that we're not just coming here to talk about it. I hope you're here to get it. Can you get some tonight? If you didn't, then either you or me or both of us missed it. Right? Because that's what we're here for. Are we supposed to get something? Every time we come to church. Every time we open our Bibles and read. Every time we pray and worship God. Are we supposed to get something? Yeah. Yeah. We are. He said, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve you. What will preserve you? Preserve you from what? Well, yeah, somebody said destruction, trouble, failure, loss. Can wisdom save your hide? Keep you out of? A problem. It can. Love her. Love what? Wisdom. Wisdom, And she shall keep you. Now, uh, both of these sound like protection, don't they? Protection. The fool just blares on and gets destroyed. But a wise person sees and understands and avoids it. Stops. Changes course, makes adjustments, right? And misses the problems. Which one are you? (laughs) It's not a trick question. (laughs) Not everybody answered. They're like, what do you want me to say? No. (laughs) Fool or wise? Which one are you? Yeah. This is a faith church. You don't check, see how you feel. Are you track record or you don't look at somebody else and go, what do you think? Am I a fool? Or? <laughs> Doesn't matter what they think. What do you believe? As a person thinks in their heart, that's the way they'll be. You believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth, it'll be that way to you. So put your faith on it. Put your words on it. I am a wise person. I walk in the wisdom of God. I'm preserved. I'm kept in wisdom. He goes on to say, wisdom is the principal thing. Is wisdom important? Therefore, get wisdom 
and with all your getting, get understanding. Can you see an emphasis in these verses? What's it on? Get it. Get what? Get wisdom. Get understanding. Get it. Get it. So we have something to do with this. The Lord has given us instructions, given us a charge for us to be, take the initiative, if you will, about this. And not just wait passively, but be on a quest. If you've been with us, we've gone over a lot of things already about the wisdom of God. One thing we saw reading later chapters is the Bible said wisdom cries and calls for us and calls for the simple. It says, hey. Simple, (laughs) fool, dummy, simpleton, don't stay in your simplicity. Come here. Come here. I got something for you. Right? Call. The Bible said wisdom is calling. And what else did it say? Who else was to call? Then we're told later in the book here, we're to cry after wisdom. To desire it and to hunger for it. And of course the New Testament in James says, does any of you lack wisdom? Then do what? Let him or her ask. Ask for it. Pursue it. Become aggressive and say, Lord, I'm asking for some wisdom on this. And then what do you do? Well, we'll just have to wait and see. If the Lord decided, no, he said, but let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering, right? Because if you waver about it, you won't receive. What does that mean? You, when you ask, as soon as you do, you got to say, I believe the Lord heard me. I believe I received my wisdom and I'm looking for it. It's coming to me. I will know what to do. I'll understand God's way in this thing. He's ordering my steps. He's directing my path. He leads me. I have an unction of the Holy One. I know what I need to know and I'll do the right thing. I'll make the right choice. Now what a difference. What a difference than pacing the floor, wringing your hands, going, Oh my God, using the Lord's name in vain. What am I going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. What in the world? Christians should not talk like this. What in the world are we going to do? Man, I hope I don't miss it. Y'all pray. Well, you'd negate our prayers. You'd nullify the effects of our prayers with your unbelieving mouth. It's a fact. No. Let's agree with God. Remember Malachi said, your words are stout against me. Well, our words can agree with him. Which is really what confession means. If you look up the Greek word for confession, it means saying the same thing. If he says you're righteous, what do you say? I sure don't feel righteous, Brother Keith. And if you knew everything I did, you. What did he say? Him who knew no sin was made to be sin for us so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ. He's been made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, the New Testament says. So what do you say? I've been made wise. I have the mind of Christ. You gotta say it when you feel dumb as a post. When you just got through doing a dumb thing. That's when you need to get up and say, no, I don't care. I don't care. I'm not moved by that. That's behind me now. <laughs> I have the mind of Christ. Right? And I do the right thing. And I'll make the right decisions. 
then your words wouldn't be against what he said about you, but it would be in agreement with him. And you're cooperating with the spirit of wisdom in you and on you. Right? Never talk being dumb. Never talk being slow. Never talk being dull. Don't talk about how old you're getting and your memory slipping. Don't get me started on that. It's ridiculous is what it is. <laughs> the outward man, outward man is getting older and growing older. But the inward man, and your mind's a part of your inward man, is being renewed day by day. Mentally and spiritually and soulically, you're supposed to get sharper and stronger and brighter and more brilliant the older you get. It's a fact in the Word. Truth, I should say, in the Word. And if you believe the truth, the truth will make you free from all that other stuff. Well, we saw that we must cry after wisdom. We saw that wisdom and understanding go together. We saw that to grow in wisdom, one must be teachable. We saw that to grow in wisdom, you must govern your mouth. Right? Fools just say whatever crosses their mind. Wise people use their words for specific purposes to accomplish things. They use their words as tools instead of just being chatty. We began last week talking about walking with the wise and counsel of godly and ungodly. So look at this again. You're there in Proverbs. Turn over to the 13th chapter. Y'all believing with me tonight? I don't have a plan to go long. I don't. If we get through in 30 minutes and we're through, that'd be okay with me. But this is a series I haven't taught like this before. And so are you believing with me on this? And uh, we didn't just come to chat about it a little bit. We came to what? Get, Get some wisdom. And wisdom is not just information. The Bible talks about the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he makes me of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. But did you hear spirit, spirit, spirit. Ephesians 1, he talked about praying that the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Right? Can you get another increase in the spirit of wisdom in you and on you every time we have one of these services? I'm getting mine. You best get yours. Nobody can get it for you. Say it out loud. I'm here for it. I'm getting mine. Let me pray over you now and agree with the prayer. Father, we're all before you and we're endeavoring to do what you told us to do. You said get it. So here we are. And we know the scripture says wisdom comes from your mouth. And these words are out of your mouth. 
So we're after them. And we're after the spirit of wisdom and an increase in the knowledge of the holy and understanding and the wisdom of God. So give us all ears to hear and utterance full and complete and precise and guide us exactly in the way it should go this evening. And by faith, before we ever go a step further, we believe we receive it. Wisdom and understanding, the spirit of these, increase in our lives now in Jesus' name. Amen. In Proverbs 13, are you there? Proverbs 13, 20. We've read this before. It says, he that walks with wise men shall be wise. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Does it make any difference who you run with? Who you keep company with? Who your companions and your friends and your buddies are. Basically we're talking about spending time with people. Is it going to affect you? Who you spend time with? Absolutely. If you company with fools. Fools get destroyed. For want of wisdom. We just got through reading earlier. Wisdom will keep you. Wisdom will preserve you. What if you don't have it? What if you're devoid of wisdom and understanding and you're full of foolishness? Then you don't get preserved. You don't get protected. You don't get kept. Well, if you run with people that are full of foolishness, will that affect you? Yes, Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Don't think it won't. Don't think you can spend all this time with folks and not be affected. But what if you company with wise people? And people that's full of faith and full of the word, will that affect you? Already has. You didn't used to think like you do now. You didn't used to talk like you do now. You've changed. I said, you've changed. People who hadn't seen you in a while tell you that. Some of them not so sure if it's good or not. You're different. You're different. Well, Jesus was different. Right? As he walked the earth. And the disciples in the book of Acts were different. The Bible said the leaders looked at them and took knowledge in them when they saw them standing up so bold and doing miracles and preaching and proclaiming that they had been with Jesus. You hang around faith, you're going to start talking faith. What about if you hear doubt and unbelief all day? You'd like for it not to affect you. But it does. So, a companion of fools will be destroyed, but he that walks with wise men shall be wise. The Lord is the one who said this. He knows this. And he has planned for you to keep company with people. That you're going to be influenced for him by. Last year and this year. And should he tarry his coming for the rest of your life. There are divine connections. So many times people don't see them. Because they think well we just hit it off. (laughs) They like me. And I like them. And we just like to spend time together. Do you know how supernatural it is. That they like you so well. 
and don't see and emphasize your faults and your weaknesses and your immaturities and idiosyncrasies and and how that you like them and you just love them and you just mostly see their good points and don't even hardly notice the other stuff. That's supernatural. And so many times people think, well, we just like each other. We just hit it off and we just have good fellowship. No, no. Look again. Look again and you'll see divine connections. Same thing about churches. I don't know if the people that have told us, you know, the first time I walked in this place, I just knew it. I just felt at home. I just felt better than I'd ever felt anywhere. Well, now, don't get a wrong idea and think that that's a reflection negatively on some other place. There are a lot of wonderful churches and ministries. Right? I mean, all over the world. But there's a right place for you at a specific time. And in that place, you got a witness. And you got grace. And it's because you're supposed to be connected with those people and with that ministry and with that church or whatever it is for that season. You're supposed to get a supply of the Spirit. You're supposed to be influenced with wisdom and faith and love. Right? This is what God has arranged for all of us. Now, the devil also knows this. So what do you think he seeks to do? He seeks to sever you from these connections so that you're cut off from this supply that you're supposed to get. Look in Proverbs 15. You're there. Just turn a page or so over. 15, 31. 1531 says the ear that hears the reproof of life abides among the wise. Now abide, what does that mean? Live, it also means to stay. So a wise, we've already been through this in some detail, a wise person is one that will receive correction, even reproof and rebuke. But what about a fool? A wise person stays where they're supposed to be hooked and receives the instruction, but a fool does not abide. A fool does not stay. Verse 32, he that refuses instruction despises his own soul, but he that hears reproof gets understanding. And the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. What is the fear of the Lord? It's reverence. It's respect. It's honor for the Lord and for all his things. Right? All his people and all his things. And before honor, before you get promoted, what happens every time? You humble yourself. You humble yourself. You take your correction. You humble yourself. You get your instruction. You humble yourself. Admit where you're wrong. Make your adjustments. Then what happens? Promotion and honor. Are you with me now? Then what happens? 
You take your instruction. You take your correction. You take your reproof. You admit where you're wrong. You make your adjustments. You learn and grow. Then what happens? Promotion. Glory to God. Then what happens? Take your instruction. Take your correction. Make your changes. Right? Stop what you need to stop. Change what you need to change. Start what you need to start. Then what happens? Promotion. Then what if you get to a place where you think, no, no, I don't like that. (laughs) I ain't receiving that. I don't have to take that. I don't have to put up with that. You stop where you are. No more progress. And if you insist on that, you'll start regressing. Right? Because he says this many times before, honor is humility. But pride goes before fall means down. Right? Down. Now this is not true for three or four people. This is true for who? Everybody. Say this is true for me. It's true for me. Everybody. 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 I've told this before, but it'll bear repetition. When I was, uh, oh, I don't know, 10 years into the ministry, I was immersed in the healing ministry, for which I thank God. It was healing. I taught healing in the morning. I taught it in the afternoon. I went out on weekends and taught it in different parts of the country. And it was healing, healing, healing. So, And I studied people that had been used of God. Outstanding individuals from years past and recent and far past. And over the years, I began to see a number of these people who were, you talk about miracles. You talk about being mightily used of God. A number of them died young, died prematurely. And I knew that wasn't right. A number of them got into error. Begin believing and teaching stuff about themselves that wasn't right. You know, you can, God can only promote you and advance you as far as your humility will carry you. It's just a fact. The point where you start getting huffy, you start thinking you're something that you're not, that's where everything stops. Right there. And I studied this and thought about it for months and months, and it began to weigh on me so much, I began to think, Lord, these people, I can see from their writings. I can see from how you used them. They knew you. I can see that they knew you better than I know you. They knew your word better than I know your word. They knew your power far greater than I know it. How can I keep from doing what they've done? It began to concern me. And I came in one time to the speaker's room before a service and it was on my mind and heart. I just fell in the floor and began to pray. I said, God, help me with this. I don't see how they could have kept from doing it. I know less than they do. How can I keep from doing it? And the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean to hurt an audible voice, but very distinctly inside me while I'm laying there on the floor. He said, son, your humility is your protection from deception. Then he went on to explain to me. He said, your humility is your protection. Let's just stop right here. How many understand which would be more wisdom, humility or pride? There is no wisdom in pride. But a person who really had some understanding and wisdom is going to operate in humility. Because they're operating in reality and truth. And this is what the Lord said to me about these things. While I'm laying, I don't mean I'm hearing an audible voice, but inside me. 
How many know the Lord can speak something to you in a moment of time? It'd take you a year to try to explain it. But he's inside you. So he's not limited to words. And as I'm laying there, I saw it. And he said this to me. Some of the specific people that I was so concerned about. That I didn't see how they were so close to God. And how they messed up so much. He said, Keith, I tried to correct those people. I even sent individuals of my other ministers to them. And I found out later about one of them specific. Somebody that was privy to it told me the same thing the Lord had told me years before. That they had sent a minister to them and told them these very words. This is not right. You need to back off of this. He said, it wasn't that they couldn't keep from falling. They got to a place where they wouldn't listen to me. They refused my instruction. They refused my correction. How many understand this is being a fool? And what follows when you refuse his instruction and correction? Destruction. Pride goes before a fall. And he said, son, you have no thing to be concerned about. Them, you, any of my ministers, any of my children, you begin to get off, I'll show you. If you're not getting it the first time, I'll tell you again. If you're not getting it then, I'll increase the volume. If you're not getting it the tenth time, I'll send people by. If your heart will be open to it, I'll send people by. The question is not, can you be protected? The question is, will you listen? Will you receive it? Will you heed it or will you become haughty? And say, no, no. I don't want to hear that. One particular person. You talk about the dead raised in their ministry. More than once. Signs and wonders. But they started teaching some things on end times, prophecy. And so many people followed them until people thought, well, there are all these miracles. Look at this. He has to know what he's talking about. And he didn't. See, results in one area of your life does not confirm your whole life or everything you say and do. And so they started teaching all these things. And see, God, not he... In a minister's position, especially one that has a lot of influence, he has an obligation to all his people that are being influenced by this ministry. He can only let stuff go so far. And one fellow who was stood at the head forefront of ministry during that time in a certain area, internationally known, God sent him to this man. They were friends. He said, now, brother so-and-so, you know I love you. And I don't know of anybody that's used like you in this area. But now these things over here that you're teaching out of the book of Revelation and about the seals and about, he said, it's not right. And you're misleading the people. And you're not a teacher. That's not your call. Here's a man who's mightily used of God himself. How many know we're not the only one who has the Holy Ghost? And somebody of this caliber, you should take heed to and listen. But he said, no, 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 I want to teach it, and I can do what I want to. And in three years, he's dead. So, the Lord will join you to people that will influence you with wisdom and faith. But what's the enemy always trying to do? Get you separated, and then he's got some fool friends (laughs) set up for you. Right? 
Because is he interested in your destruction? He only comes to steal and to kill and destroy. And companions of fools will be destroyed. So boy, you're singing his song. Right? Be a fool. Get destroyed. That's one of his advertisements. You could be a fool today. Here I have lots of fool friends that you can hook up with. And, oh boy, this is so big. I'll see if the Lord will let me get into this later, but one way that he works is through flattery. He tries to get fool friends into your life through flattery and making much of you. And depending on how much pride is there, is how much they got to work with. Would you like some more of that? Y'all see why it's been taking me so much time? Hadn't got to point one yet. Go with me to Galatians. While I'm here, let me just talk some about this. Galatians, the fourth chapter. And uh, there is a scripture that in the King James, a lot of folk I think have missed the way it's worded. But let me give you some other translations, give you some context. Galatians, the fourth chapter. The Spirit of God through Paul is speaking to people that got born again through his ministry. And if you read particularly Corinthians, 1st and 2nd, Galatians, Ephesians, these epistles, you'll see, especially in Corinthians, 2nd Corinthians, he got into this a lot. There were some false apostles that had come in. And were pulling the people after themselves and away from Paul. Have you read this enough to know that? And he says this to them in Galatians 4. He said, uh, verse 16, Galatians 4:16, Am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They, talking about these people, they zealously affect you. Now that's the phrase I'm talking about. In our modern vernacular, when we hear that, most folk just, what does zealously affect? What does that mean? They zealously affect you. The Williams translation says, they pay you special attention. One translation said, they seek your favor. They are zealous to win you over. But what? But not well. Another translation says, not for good, for no good. They're trying to win you. And he went on to say that they would exclude you. Exclude them. What does that mean? The NIV says what they want is to alienate you from us, that you might affect them. In other words, they don't really care about you. They just want you to support them. So they're making a big deal out of you now. But their objective is not your good, but so you'll make a big deal out of them. 
Now these people, these saints at Galatia, Corinth, Ephesus, Philippi, etc. Had God joined them to Paul? If they stayed hooked with Paul, is there wisdom in him? Is there revelation of the plan of God and redemption? If they stay hooked with him, what's going to happen to them? You walk with wise men? Every year, they would grow wiser and stronger and wiser. The devil knows that. Does he want them to grow stronger? No, they're already causing him problems. Right? So what does he want? He wants them dumb, clueless, ignorant, right? Praying wrong and getting no results, no confidence, no faith, not a clue who they are in Christ. No boldness, no authority exercised, right? How can he do that? Got to get them away from Paul. You see how the devil thinks on this. We got to get these guys. I mean, he has a demon staff meeting. (laughs) And goes, look, now we got to, every time Paul goes back to this church and has an extended meeting, they come out of there so fired up and full of the Holy Ghost. And you know what they did. They've been cleaning house on us. We got to get a wedge between them and Paul. We got to get them unhooked from his ministry. So they thought, well, how are we going to do it? Well, there's some selfish guys over here that's trying to build something for themselves. Influence them. Give them devilish wisdom. Now, see, we talked about this last week. Is there a devilish wisdom? See, the devil knows these guys are not just going to roll up and go, hey, we're more apostles than Paul is. Forget that guy. I know you got saved and healed under his ministry and got out of poverty and everything else, but forget him and come support me. They're going to go forget you. So the devil's subtle. He's crafty. Right? And so he comes in making a big deal out of them. You know, Paul doesn't appreciate y'all like he should. And, you know, you have such a powerful ministry. And he's never even let you say a word in his meetings, has he? And they don't acknowledge your gift. And they don't give place to your anointing. What is this? Zealously affecting, courting. It's like a man courting a young woman, but he doesn't care about her. He wants her body. And that's all he cares about. But he knows it ain't going to work to just roll up and say, hey, get in the bed with me. Now. But if he'll butter her, say what he thinks she wants to hear. Did you hear? There's a devilish wisdom. And that's what the enemy's doing. And Paul is warning them. He said, look now, guys. Look at what's going on here. Oh, yeah, they're courting you. They're making much out of you. They're telling you all this stuff. But they don't care about you. They're just trying to get you away from us so you'll support them. 
and make a big deal out of them. You suppose that's still going on today? Yeah. Well, the devil's using the same old stuff. Now, go with me, please, to the book of James, and let's review this. And then I want to give you another example tonight. Go to James 1. How would you be protected from this kind of thing? Fools eat up flattery. Wise people don't. You know, the Bible said concerning Jesus. The people came and were going to make him king. Remember that? And the Bible said he just left them. He just walked away and them in their big hip, hip, hoorah. Because he knew what was in man and didn't need man to testify for him. But how many know lesser men would eat that up? Oh, me king? You're kidding. Get out of here. Really? You think so? Fools are full of pride. And pride blinds you. Obadiah 3 says, the pride of your heart has deceived you. Otherwise, very intelligent people get dumb when their pride is rampaging. There's the plan of God right in front of you. There's the right thing to do right there, but you don't see it. Because of pride. The biggest fool around is the devil. He was in the presence of the Almighty. He had a place in God. He was gifted. He was graced. He was beautiful. And he, the Bible said, he, uh, if you look up the words, he twisted the wisdom God gave him. So that's where this devilish wisdom came from. God didn't create devilish wisdom. He created the uh, anointed cherub with beauty and wisdom, and then the devil twisted it. Can you take what God gives you and twist it? We ought not to, but you can. James 1.5 Talked about asking for the wisdom, but James 3, skip on down to there for time's sake. James 3, verse 13. Who's a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Now, this is very important. He's telling us how to identify wisdom of God. Let him show out of a good conversation his works. Everybody say works. You show me somebody who's got some wisdom of God, I'll show you somebody you could see it without them opening their mouth. It's not just talk. It's evidenced by what they do. Their works. And let him show out of a good conversation his works with what? With what? Meekness. Of wisdom. You show me a wise man or woman of wisdom of God. And we can show you what? A meek. Not weak. Meek. Humble. 
Now, meek and humble is the furthest thing from weak and secure that there ever was. Weak and secure people are the loudest and the pushiest. Did you know it? The most demanding, rude, pushy, they call themselves being strong. But it's because they're so insecure. They don't know who they are. They're not secure. But a wise person has humility. They go hand in hand. And they don't feel the necessity to try to correct everybody and straighten out what everybody said about me. Because I know who I am. God knows me. Right? They're not running around trying to correct everybody or try to check and see what somebody said about me. They're secure. Keep reading. But if you have what? Bitter envying and strife in your hearts. When you hear people start talking. And they're supposed to be giving you good counsel, wise counsel. But then you hear them take off on these tangents of, you know, what so-and-so has and what they did. And you just don't think that's right. And you don't think, and strife, you can detect strife and you can detect jealousy. You know you're sitting in the presence of devilish counsel. Devilish wisdom. Are you with me? Because... This wisdom, he said, is not from above. It's earthly, sensual, devilish wisdom. For where envying and strife. See, he mentions it again. He already said it in verse 14, but he reiterates it. What? What two things? Envy. Envy. And so many times when people are criticizing somebody about what they have or what they're doing, that's what's behind it. They just want it for themselves. They wish they had it instead of them. Well, I just don't think they're the right one for the job. Well, who is? Well, <laughs> I might be available. <laughs> then we can't talk to you. All your thinking's colored and skewed. We're not going to get wisdom of God out of you. Right? But... The wisdom that is from above, when you're in the presence of real wisdom of God, what is it? You have the feeling, even if you could just close your eyes and not try to listen to the meaning of all the words, you just sense purity. And you sense peace. There's a gentleness. Nobody's trying to make you do anything. Nobody's trying to rip you from somebody or force you into anything. There's a gentleness. This wisdom is easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality. There's no respect of persons. And without hypocrisy, there is no falseness, no deception. It's real. It's genuine. And it's sown, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Hallelujah. But if we just got this, what we've talked about so far, and operated in it, it would we would be able to, three words out of somebody's mouth, and we'd know whether we need to hear the rest of it or not. Right? There's counsel coming 
from all kind of places. The Bible said there are many voices in the world. And none of them without signification. But there's only one I want to hear. Right? There's only one counsel. I desire the counsel of God. The wisdom of God. Because he's right. He knows the best way to handle it. And what to do. And what's going to produce the best outcome. Go with me to uh, Second Chronicles, please. Can you take some more? Second Chronicles. And the tenth chapter. Now last week, we ended up talking about the council of Ahithophel. Anybody remember that? Ahithophel. The Bible said in those days... Anybody inquired at Ahithophel about counsel? It was like hearing from the mouth of God. Did you know you could be that way? I said, did you know you could be that way? That when people talk to you about things, you'd know when to be quiet and not say anything. But you'd know what to say. When it was appropriate. And how to say it. And people hearing you talk about it, it'd be like hearing God talk. He is in you. I said, He is in you. Why couldn't He influence your mind? Why couldn't He influence your words coming out of your mouth? Then why wouldn't it be like hearing from Him? Mr. Humphrey, I just ain't that smart. Ain't got to do with smarts. We ain't talking about smarts. Talking about wisdom. There is a spirit that gives wisdom. The spirit of God's in you. Giving you wisdom. Well, Ahithophel used his wisdom against God's anointed and it was his downfall. Wasn't it? Well, here's another example. And this is so clear as to the difference in counsel in this happening. In Second Chronicles, the 10th chapter... This is Solomon's son. Solomon has just died. And now Solomon's son is taking over. His name is Rehoboam. Second Chronicles, the 10th chapter. And as he was taking the throne and getting started in his reign, he called for counsel. Everybody say counsel. Second Chronicles 10 and verse 1. Rehoboam went to Shechem. For to Shechem were all Israel come to make him king. I mean the whole nation is there represented in delegation. He has complete support of the country. Who's his daddy? Who's his grandpa? God gave David total victory. Over all his enemies. And Solomon inherited vast wealth. And enormous amounts of land and wealth. And the first thing. What's the first thing Solomon did when he came to power? He got to praying and seeking God. What did he ask for? He asked for wisdom. God actually came and appeared to him after he. You know a lot of people ignore this. But you got to back up and see. Solomon gave some huge offerings. That's what preceded this thing. 
He gave some giant offerings. And God showed up in his bedroom. And said, what do you want? I said, well, I don't like that, Brother Keith. You link in there with that. I didn't link it. Go read it. (laughs) But see, the reason people don't like it is because the truth is, your heart and your pocket are connected. People don't like that. Because it shows up something they don't want to look at. If God's got all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, He's got all your money and all your stuff. Just a fact. And man, Solomon demonstrated. He said, man, I love God with all my heart. Let's worship God. And boy, they had a time of worship. And they started offering. And they brought lambs. And they brought bulls. And you ought to go back and look sometime at the thousands and thousands and thousands. He spent money like water. And God said, what do you want? He said, God, I need wisdom. To lead your people. Give me a wise and an understanding heart. And God was pleased. At what he asked. And he said he was going to give it to him. And he did. Now this is what Rehoboam grew up under. The reason I'm saying all this. We need to be reminded of this. This man grew up in Solomon's house. David's his grandpa. We read about the queen of Sheba. Remember that? came to hear the wisdom of Solomon and when she saw how Solomon came to his throne and the ceremony and how they ate and how they set the table and how the cupbearers and the ushers and everybody conducted themselves the Bible said it took her breath away she's a queen she's not living in a hut on the side of the road and she, the thing she saw was the wisdom of God they did everything the right way Because he had so much understanding. How many know there is a right way to do everything? There is a best way to do everything. And man, everything was so excellent and so glorious. That's what Rehoboam grew up in. Now he's taken the throne. And all the whole nation showed up. And uh, the Bible said, In verse 3, Jeroboam, verse 3, came and spoke for the people. And 4, he said, representing all the people, he said, Your father, talking about Solomon, made our yoke grievous. Now therefore ease thou somewhat the grievous servitude of your father and his heavy yoke that he put on us, and we will serve you. And he said to them, Come back to me in three days. So the people left. Are you clear on what's going on now? Now Solomon had built some stuff. Hadn't he? And he had pushed these people. For year after year after year. And they came and said. uh, We think you're great. We're so glad you're on your daddy's throne. We're here for you. Could you lighten up the servitude some? Because man it's been a long time. And all this night and day work, we want some relief. So, Rehoboam took counsel with who? Verse 6. He did what? What's he looking for? 
What do you need in a situation like this? What would his daddy have done? He would have done what he did when he was there. That same spot. Sought the wisdom of God. Well, he knew the rote. So he called for the counselors. And these are the men that have stood in Solomon's presence. For decades, they've heard him judge cases. They've heard the wisdom of God flow out of his mouth. And he's appointed them. He must think they've got some too. And they tell young Rehoboam. Everybody say young. He said, what counsel would you give me to return answer to this people? And they spoke to him. They said, if you'll be kind to this people and please them and speak good words to them, I might say today, they'll be your servants forever. I know you the king. I know you the sovereign monarch. And your word is life and death in these here parts. But uh, you asked us. So we're telling you. And how many understand, as we said, this ain't their first rodeo. They've seen a lot of stuff come and go. They said, uh, if you will be kind to these people today. And have some give to you. And say, yeah. Yep. Okay, that's not unreasonable. We'll look into this. We'll make some changes. That's fine. He said, you do that, they'll serve you the rest of your life. And uh, verse 8, he did what? He forsook the counsel which the old men gave him. And he took counsel with who? His young fool buddies. Can you see this now? God has wise companions for you. He's got people that he's hooked you up with. But now sometimes they may say something you don't want to hear. But he's, if you don't want to hear that, he's got some fool buddies for you. <laughs> we won't ask for any testimonies about anybody that ever chose the fool buddies. But what will the fool buddies do? Now we've already talked about this. Flatter. Because they care about you? No. no, they don't care about you. It's the devil. And the devil knows this works. So what did they do? He said, what advice do you give that I tell these people? Because they said, ease somewhat the yoke that your father put on us in verse 9. And the young men that were brought up with him spoke to him. They said, this is what you say to those people. You said your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter for us. And this is what you say to them. My little finger is going to be thicker than my daddy's thigh. Who's he talking about? Solomon, the wisest man on the planet. Who had millions and millions and millions in revenue that he was getting from new sources of income. And he had peace and he had control and he is building and he pops up. He's young. He hadn't proven anything. And he said, you tell them my little finger is going to be bigger than my daddy's loins. Big talk. Nothing to back it up. Right? And you tell them, verse 11, you tell them, my father put a heavy yoke on you. 
That ain't nothing. I'm going to put more on your yoke. My father chastised you with whips. I'm going to whip you with scorpions. What is this? This is devilish. Ungodly counsel. Why wouldn't he see it? They're saying, "Uh uh-uh, you got to show them you're a bigger man than your daddy. You got to show them ain't nobody running over you. You got to show them who you are. Boy, you got to put them down hard. That appealed to his flesh. Yeah, I'm tough. I'm bigger than my daddy. You keep reading. The whole nation, except for the tribe of his, walked. The nation split. And it split the rest of the time you're reading about it in the Bible. And this is where it happened, right here. Could it have gone a different way? The whole bunch of them left him. All except just a few. And they had wars. And untold scores of thousands of people died. And turmoil in the next generation, in the next generation, in the next. Could it have been different? If what? If he could have listened and put his stupid pride down for one day and just come out and acted like he had some sense and say, I understand. We have been having a lot of building projects. Y'all have been being pushed night and day. I don't want to abuse you and I don't want to push you too hard. I will look into this. I will will get this fixed. What did the wise men tell him? And this was the counsel of God. They'll serve you the rest of your life. He chose the ungodly counsel. And all they had to do was flatter him a little bit, stroke him a little bit about how tough he was and how big he was and how he had to put his foot down and show folks he was a real man. The Bible says only by pride comes contention. Can you see that pride is some ugly stuff? Oh, it's some bad stuff. Can pride blind you from the counsel of God? Can pride cause your mind to be in such a case that the wisdom of God is being told you is coming, is right in front of your eyes and you don't even see it? Yeah. So what did the Lord tell me laying in the floor there those many years ago? What did he tell me? Your humility is your protection from deception. In order to get the wisdom of God, we must be open. We must crucify our flesh and seek God's way no matter what we thought about it. Go to Psalm 1 and I think I can close. Anybody remember the first Psalm? Hmm? Psalm 1. What does it say? Blessed is the man that what? Walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Let's just stop. What if you do walk in the counsel of the ungodly? We just saw a man choose it over good counsel. What happened to him? He was cursed. His kingdom was destroyed and split. He was dishonored. Right? The loss of human life. The list goes on and on and on. But if you walk in the counsel of the 
godly, you'll be blessed. If you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, you'll be blessed. Nor stands in the way of sinners. Read it out loud with me. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Let's stop right here. Could you see in scornful, you can see envy and strife. People talk scornfully. You, can you hear the tone? The tone, scorn, envy, strife, angry. You hear those tones and you see that and you should know immediately. I'm not going to get any good counsel from them. There is no wisdom of God going to come to me through this. This is the wrong spirit. Because the wisdom of God is what? Pure, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated. Right? Full of good fruits and mercy without partiality, without hypocrisy. Right? That's how you know you're in the presence of good counsel. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. You don't sit with folk and listen to that stuff. Do you? But his delight is in what? Now see, that's what they had then. They just had the law. Now we got the law and we got the Psalms and the Proverbs and we got the prophets and we got the gospel accounts, right? We got the word of God. The word of God is what he delights in. Somebody said, that's me, that's me. His delight is in the Word of God, the Word of the Lord. And in His Word, He does what? He meditates it, He thinks it, and He talks about it day and night. And what happens? He'll be preserved, He'll be kept, He'll not be divided and destroyed, but He'll flourish. Like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And he'll bring forth his fruit in his season. He will not go decade after decade barren and dry. But every time he's supposed to produce or she's supposed to produce, they will produce. And even when it's tough times round about and other people are drying up on the vine, his leaf shall not wither. Whoo! And not just three or four things, but what? Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Glory to God. Glory to God. The ungodly are not so. The fools. But they're like the chaff which the wind drives away. The ungodly will not stand in judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Is the way of the Lord the way of wisdom and righteousness and godliness and purity and peace? Glory to God. Stand up on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.